Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. I got a message with you today in our, our series called In Development. Can someone say In Development? We are in a process of being developed. You may look across the room and see someone and you think, now they've got it all together. The fact is they don't. We hope they don't anyway. I hope nobody in this room's maxed out their potential. I hope none of us are at a place where we're like, I guess this is just it. Sometimes we resign ourselves to that, but it's just simply not the case. We grow perpetually. The Bible speaks of us like trees planted by a stream of living water that always bear fruit in season. We are in develop. God, God is developing something within us. And what was okay last year, as we continue to go forward, just isn't okay anymore because we are developing. We're getting stronger. We're getting better. Do you believe that's true? Come on, I talk about this a lot because it's uh, how I spend a lot of my time in this season is, is going to uh, sporting activities for my kids. I'm there, I'm celebrating, I'm cheering, and it's amazing to see over the course of just a few short years how the expectation upon them shifts and changes. When you go watch an elementary sporting event, has anyone ever been to an elementary sporting event? I'm sorry. It's not good watching. It's not great. It's not great competitive balance. We're all there because we have vested interest in one of the kids. Like, if you're there for another reason, you should not be at an elementary school. Like, like there's only one reason to go. It's because it's your kid. And it's amazing you watch. Like, my, my son is playing on a grade six team. He's playing up. He feels like, man, my, my pathway to the NBA has just gotten a little bit more clearly paved because I'm playing with a year older. And you go there, and it's amazing. The expectation on athleticism and, and, and dexterity and teamwork is pretty low. So much so that the referees are, are just teachers who will stop the game partway through to give like helpful little tips. They'll just stop the game. Be like, hey, everyone just stop for a second. Hey, Jimmy, next time, just try passing the ball. Instead of picking up and walking with it, in basketball, you need to dribble or pass. Is that cool? And, and we know Jimmy's not going to do it. We know Jimmy's heard this before. But, but hey, the referee just has that ability. They're going to stop the game. Why? Because we're trying to help Jimmy get better. We're trying to develop Jimmy. We're not trying to crush Jimmy. But, but as soon as it gets like into grade eight, all of a sudden, there, there, there's complaint in the room that why is this not a professional referee? That kid looks like they're in grade 12. Why is a grade 12? They probably have vested interests. They probably are, are you know, they, they've got their reason. They, they missed a call, and the frustration level begins to grow. And you start hearing parents uh, contributing helpful advice from the stands. Now, you can contribute advice to your own kid, but when they start critiquing other people's kids, I'm like, they're children. You know, you got, you got, I was at, at a game the other day grade eight girls basketball, and parents are shouting out the skills of other people's kids. That's a foul! Come on, ref! Get your act together! We had, we had one, one parent get so in it with the ref. It's like, do your job! It's funny, grade six, you're like, oh yeah, Jimmy needs some help. No, all good. 
Grade eight, do your job. I'm like, is sports gambling allowed on grade eights now? Do you have money riding on this? There are no D1 schools here to, to watch this game. It's amazing how the expectations shift. Why? Because, because we're maturing and growing. At some point, we might all agree that it's, it's a certain level of appropriateness. At some point, when, when it's someone's profession, let's say, to play a sport, we're like, oh, yeah, it makes sense that people are that engaged and that invested because they've been through a process of development. If that's true physically, it's also true spiritually. So, so on a Sunday, I, I, I feel like there is this tension that exists where we're going, hey, let's just stop what we're doing now. Hey, Jimmy, God loves you, man. Like, you're doing amazing. But there's also like, hey, it's out of bounds. Why, why the expectation shifts? And in community, we've got people developing on different paces, so we get to grow in grace for one another. I'm telling you, I, I had someone in the 10 a.m. service, like, it's kind of crazy. Every Sunday, I feel like you're talking right to me. And I was like, hey, guess what? I'm talking right to me every Sunday. Like, I'm just trying to communicate that every Sunday because that's what the, the Bible does. God is trying to grow each one of us. So today, I want to share a message on development, and if I could, I, I, I want to turn our attention to 2 Corinthians just really briefly. This is not even the message, by the way. I'm just rambling because I, I woke up in Chilliwack, guys. I'm still waking up, okay? <laughs> 2 Corinthians chapter 3, if you could turn there real quick. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. 2 Corinthians 3.18. If you've been around Vivid for a while, you've heard me say it. It matters to us. The, this is a, a really crucial passage in defining the vision of our church and who we are. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18 says this, and we all who have unveiled faces are contemplating or reflecting the Lord's glory. We're being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. In moments like this, defining moments, we look to Jesus, and as we do so, we begin to look more like Jesus. That he is growing us and developing us to be more like him. I got an old camera here. I don't know about you. I, I, anyone have a camera like this? Okay, phone, yeah. This is interesting. In the age we live, we go, hey, everyone, smile. Come on, I mean it in the room, smile. Okay. Uh, Sheldon's blinking, gonna have to take that one again. Come on, everyone, smile, come on, real smile, fake it, come on, fake it, here we go, okay. And, and, and we, we find the one we want, we pick the one that we think, uh, you know, defines it the best, then we get to edit, then we get to change, then we, we, we get to make it look like we want, and we present our real. We present our highlights. We, we present the, the best version of ourselves, but but there was once upon a time that, that cameras were a little more like this. Do you remember cameras like this? Camera like this has got film on the inside. Camera like this, you need to do one of these. And uh, and I, I I think this is probably more typical of our spiritual development. This, I mean, man, guys, we we can we can fake this. We can, we can go, oh, didn't catch it, just do it again real quick. Do that cute thing again real quick that you were doing because I want to make sure I, I catch that. 
But this is, is a moment in time, a moment of exposure. I'm going to take a picture right now. Come on, everyone. Just have a smile. Oh, wow. I wonder how that'll be. You know, it's possible to have that moment of exposure and never find out what it's like. It's possible to have that moment of exposure, and if not handled right, it results in nothing. I don't know if you remember once upon a time taking a photo and be like, oh, I think it's going to be good. Oh, it's my finger. A moment of definition, a, a defining moment of exposure is important. But without proper development... What could have happened in a moment of exposure never comes to fruition. We're in development. I think a moment like today, I'm believing before we leave today, we'll have a, a moment of exposure to the grace of God. But then we need a process of development for that moment to look like it, how it looked in the room. Do you, do you follow with what I'm saying? We, we need moments of exposure with the Lord, but then we need a process of development. If I could, let me show you a scripture in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 13, if you go there real quick. Acts chapter 13 and uh, verse 22. Speaking of a character in scripture that I want to focus in on today, if I could, Acts chapter 13 and verse 22. It's an amazing book, the book of Acts. The book of Acts, it bridges everything that God has done up until that point to everything that he's doing up to and including February of 2023. Acts 13 is the origin story of the church. And so constantly, there is this reference back to the faithfulness of God in the Old Testament, and then saying, that was then, but this is now, and we're still in now. Like, we're still living in the age and the era of the church. This is the thing that God is doing um, on planet Earth. In Acts chapter 13, verse 22, speaking of a crucial character in Scripture, whose name was David, it says this, it says, after removing Saul as king, God made David their king. And God testified concerning him, I found David, son of Jesse, to be a man after my own heart. He will do everything that I want him to do. Today, if you'd allow me to, I want to share a few thoughts, share a couple moments on this topic. A heart that looks like God's. How do I have a heart that looks like God's? Jesus, would you allow us in these next few moments exposed to your word to have some clarity around what it looks like to have a heart that looks like yours? To be people similar to David in this, a heart after you. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. So for brevity's sake, I'm going to have to summarize the story of David's life. If I tried to give you chapter and verse for every portion, it would feel more like a study hall session. And uh, instead, I want to, if I could, give you, you kind of a glimpse of the story arc of David's life. David is the writer of most of the Psalms. David, when he came into kingship, was the sort of picture and establishment of what uh, a society led by God would look like. It was David, who is, is Jesus' great-great-great-great-great-grandfather as it would go up, and it's David who people define Jesus by. They said he's the son of David. Like, like he is similar to David in that he has a heart after God. 
If you look at the book of 1 Samuel, there's a prophet, his name is Samuel, and his job is to choose a king. God says, I want you to choose a king, and I want you to go to the house of Jesse, and it's one of Jesse's sons that is going to be the king. And so Samuel shows up at Jesse's house, and Jesse comes to the door. He's like, no, this is Samuel. He's the man. He's the, he's, it's, it's insane. He's here. What do, you, what do you want? He goes, well, I'm actually here today to select a new king. And God's revealed to me that it's one of your sons. And Jesse goes, hey, babe. Babe, Samuel's here. He says that, that our son is going to be king. And she's like, I knew it. I knew he was a special boy. And he goes, I know just the, just the thing. Here, have a seat, Samuel. And he calls his oldest son in. And as the oldest son walks into the room, you can see like Jesse's proud. Jesse's wife, she's proud. He walks in and Samuel's like, okay, I can see this. The Bible says he walks in, he's tall, he's dark, he's handsome. Maybe like someone you're looking at right now. I don't know. Maybe he had more salt than pepper in his beard too. I don't know. He walked in and, and Samuel's like, okay, I could, I could see it. I mean, he needs some work. A little rough around the edges, but, but this looks like what a king might look like. And then God nudges Samuel and he goes, that's not the king. Samuel's like, really, God? He'd be a good one. I could imagine following him. He goes, no, 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 that's not the king. He goes, sorry, Jesse. Do you have any more kids? Jesse goes, no problem. I am a son-making machine. Next. <laughs> next. <laughs> you know, in comes the next. Not quite as tall, not quite as handsome. You know, a little bit more awkward, but, but Samuel's like, okay. I mean, if, in, in a pinch, he'll do. And God goes, no, that's not, not what I'm looking for. Got any more sons? No, yeah, no problem. In comes the third and then the fourth. And there's like a conveyor belt of sons coming through. And one by one, Jesse's going like, come on, man. You're missing all his attributes. He's got king written all over him. And one by one, God is saying to Samuel, nope, not him, not him, not him. You get to the end of the line, and, and Samuel goes, hey, Jesse, I'm sure God said here. Like, I don't think I got the address wrong. Your name is Jesse. Can I verify? This is Bethlehem. Do you have any more sons? And Jesse's like, well, I mean, there's Dave. But don't pick Dave. Come on. Like, D Dave's out in the field. It would be so awkward to go get him. Can I show you the first son again? Like, do you want to just, like, let's just have another, another kind of process through this. Samuel's like, now bring Dave. And so they, they, they call for David, and David walks in. He's just a little kid. I kind of think maybe his voice hasn't even changed yet. The little kid, he comes walking in the room. His older sons who have all just been told no, 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 no. They're like, Dave? I hardly even know this kid. He walks in and God says to Samuel, what is crucial for us to understanding what a heart after God looks like, God says this to Samuel, man looks at the outward appearance, but I'm looking at the heart. It's crucial if we're going to understand how to have a heart that, that looks like God's. We need to understand this, that our life is not just about external performance, that our life is not just about constant self-improvement. I, I, I like the concept of getting 1% better every day, but if it's just external 
and we're just working on skill improvement and development and making sure we put our, our best foot forward. God's like, that's, that's great. That'll get you ahead in life, but I'm looking at the heart. And how is the heart developed? Well, it has a moment of exposure and then a process of development. So here's what David's moment of exposure looked like. Samuel said, you're him. And in front of his brothers and in front of his parents, Samuel pulled out the oil that he had prepared. And it would have been filled with perfume and filled with fragrance. And, and he poured it on David's head. It was, a, it was a wild moment. Imagine you're out with sheep and all of a sudden you come in and then there's this moment and, and a prophet's pouring oil on your head. He goes, hey, young man, you are going to be the next king. Look in every direction. This will all be yours. You're going to be in charge. He's like, I've ever, like even of my brothers... Even of your brothers. <laughs> like, this is so cool. It's a moment of exposure. I don't know if you've have you ever had a moment with God where you got just a little glimpse maybe of, of, of what God thinks of you? Maybe, maybe you were a kid and you were singing, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And it just sort of made sense in your heart in that moment. You're like, whoa, I'm loved by God. Maybe you had a vision or a picture of what your future could be, and it's, it's, there's some success connected to it. There, there's some effectiveness connected to it. Maybe you see a, a picture of your life with, with like family or leadership or influence or, or, or entrepreneurial success. You've got this little picture of the future. It's an exposure moment. But, but that in and of itself does not take a picture. A picture requires development. So after having oil poured upon his head, then Samuel's like, all right, we'll see you again one day when you're king. And then he left, and Jesse's like, hey, Dave, sheep aren't going to watch themselves, bud. Back out to the fields you go. Why? Because number one, a heart that looks like God's is developed in obscurity. The process of development requires Obscurity. If this film is going to be developed correctly, it needs to be in a dark room. It can't be exposed to other, other things. Sometimes, man, we want, we want to develop in the public, but there's nothing better than developing when no one's watching. There's nothing better than developing when you're surrounded by people who are in your corner anyway. They love you anyway, unconditionally. David He's like, you're going to be king. Now, go figure out how to be a leader by leading sheep. Nobody's watching when you fall asleep on the job. No one's watching your biggest moments of victory or your, yeah, that didn't go the way I had it planned. I remember I've had the really you know, amazing honor to, to be able to, to speak and, and preach God's word in all sorts of places. Sometimes I, I think I'm like, I don't know why I'm here right now. How did this happen? I was talking to a friend earlier this week and I was telling him about some of the, the projects we're engaged in, some of the places we're, we're going this year. He's like, how's this happening in your life? This is wild. And I was like, I guess. It's just, you know, incremental and over, over the course of time. I've many times found myself in a place like, why am I standing inside of a maximum security Polish prison preaching to people right now? How'd this happen? Why am I in a, in a Singaporean ballroom Preaching to all these like, successful, this is wild. Well, when I was 13, in a small church in a small town, there was a youth emphasis Sunday. Sunday night service, the youth are going to lead worship. 
And then one of our very own teenagers is going to preach a message. And that was me in a room with about 70 senior citizens who couldn't believe that we weren't singing hymns that night. And someone has an electric guitar. And I got up and preached a terrible message. Probably partially heretical. Didn't really have a point. Got through it and it took about 11 minutes. And then I'm like, I'm done. That's all I had to say. And it was bad, but they were all in my corner. I was developing an obscurity. Guys, I have failed more times than I can keep count of. I've lost my train of thought and forgotten where I'm going and how I'm trying to get there. And now I'm sitting with someone like, how do you speak with no notes? I'm like, because I've spoken so many bad messages. Just don't do the things I've already done and we'll be okay. It's development and obscurity. But what does that do? It develops in our heart some humility. I remember when I first became a youth pastor, I was excited. I wasn't living in that small town anymore. It wasn't just a bunch of seniors. I'm, I'm a youth pastor. I have a job now. This isn't what I do. And I showed up and there's two teenage girls. And that was my youth group. And one of them hated my guts. I remember one week, you know, it was growing. We were out about seven. That's 350% growth, by the way. This, this one girl in the room, I'm, I'm like, man, it was so, it was terrible. I, I prepared like this long, like paper notes of what I was going to share that day. And it had like a title on the top and my name underneath the title and all these notes. And, and she sat in the front row. I don't know why we had rows because there were seven people. And she pulled out her paper and there was the part where my name was written and she ripped my name off of her paper and just went like this and tore it up and like the, I'm like, oh, she still kind of hurts. <laughs> I was, I was growing in obscurity. I'm going to be honest, this still is pretty obscure. We're in a warehouse on First and Main over a bread factory. And we've been here long enough, I don't even smell the bread anymore. I've grown <laughs> nose blind to the bread. People walk in like, mmm, smells good. I'm like, yeah, it's probably Lysol. And they're like, no, the bread. I'm like, oh, that, yeah. I remember when I used to smell that. We're in obscurity. But, but what's happening? God's developing us. He's preparing us, so he sees in us a heart that has had a moment of exposure, but then a process of development where, where we are being changed to look more like him, and, and, and we're proving that we're going to do the things he's asked us to do. David develops the ability to lead by watching sheep. Little did he know leading people feels the same. He was learning the skills to be a king while being a shepherd. So over the course of time, uh, a battle came and, and the kingdom was in battle. And David wasn't yet even old enough to be one of the soldiers. He knew he would one day be king, but he wasn't even old enough to be trusted to be a soldier. So his brothers, the ones who were no, 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 and no, they went to battle. David's still watching the sheep. And one day his dad's like, hey, I need you to, to be a delivery boy to the front line can you bring some cheese? The Bible literally says it. Bring cheese and bread to your brothers. He's delivering grilled cheese sandwiches to the front lines. And when he shows up there, just a little shepherd boy with a bag of cheese. I find the Bible kind of funny. I think that's funny. He rolls up and, and, and there's a warrior there. His name is Goliath. Now, even if you haven't been exposed to the Bible very much, you've probably heard of David and Goliath. The story of an underdog against a, an all-time favorite. Goliath is a mighty warrior. He's ready to take on the top warrior in David's whole nation. And he rolls up. He's like, this is going to be awesome. Who's going to fight him? Guys? 
Guys? What, no one? And everyone's backing off, and David's like, well, no one else will. I'll take this guy. It, it looks like teenage naivety, but it's not. It is developed in obscurity. He learned how to fight. The Bible says this. He goes, well, I've killed lions and bears. Can you imagine with me, if you killed a lion, how quickly you would tell everyone that story? I would find a way to work that into every story. You'd be like, wow, it's kind of bad weather today. Yeah, it reminds me of the day I killed a lion. Do you want to see the pictures? I'll show you the pictures. Here's the lion that I killed. But, but David, in obscurity, his, imagine his biggest moment. A bear comes out of the bush. He kills the bear. And then he's like, guys, oh, lamb chops. It's just the sheep and none of you care because you're just eating grass. Awesome. Like he, in obscurity, is learning skills so that in a moment like this, he could step on the battlefield and he could win an incredible victory. Let me tell you this. A heart that looks like God's is developed through opportunity. There will be defining moments in our life where if we've been doing the work in obscurity, we can step up into an opportunity. Now, opportunity will often feel like danger. It'll almost always feel like discomfort. It might feel like it's a bit new. It might feel like it's a bit scary. But David, in this moment, he steps up and he wins an incredible victory with the tools he had learned in obscurity. It could just be right now you're doing a job you don't really love, you're living in a place that's not ideal, and you're struggling with you know, a roommate scenario right now, you're trying to figure out shifts, and your finances feel like they're not where you'd like them to be. You might be learning skills now that'll prepare you for that moment. Now this wasn't David's dream board. He wasn't asking to be king, God chose him. And then he didn't want to be sent back to the field, it's just someone's got to do it. And he didn't think, well, one day, what I'm going to do is I'm going to show up, there'll be a 10-foot giant, and then I'll kill him. He was just ready when the moment came to step up into the opportunity. What if that opportunity comes this Wednesday? Are you ready? Come on, what if that opportunity comes this May? Will you be ready to step in to the thing that God has called you to be? You can only know that you'll be ready then if you're getting ready now. See, obscurity, it works humility out in our heart. Opportunity, it actually works out courage in our heart. It's the courage to say yes. It's the courage to go, I wasn't planning on this, didn't know it was coming, but today's my day, here's my moment. Some of the greatest moments in my life were not the ones I planned for. Some of the biggest moments, it's interesting, some of the biggest moments of victory were not things I was planning for. Some of my biggest defeats in life were things I was actually planning for and then tripped on my face. Anyone else ever had that? Like I was, I thought, I saw it, I could dream board it and it didn't work and it failed and it fell through my fingers like sand. And then big moments of victory came just because I was ready to say yes when the time came. A heart after God, it's developed in obscurity it's developed in opportunity. And then here's what happens. David's life from that moment forward changes pretty drastically. See, when he was younger, he was told he'd be king, but he kept on being a shepherd and delivering cheese. But after killing that giant, things changed big time. He was a household name. Imagine being a household name in a time with no media. It, it became this, that there was song, a song sung throughout the nation 
And David was the, the character in the song, a pop song with no Spotify playlist, no radio station. It was just people going, hey, I heard this great song. Want to hear it? Oh, that is a great song. I'm going to go sing it to my friend. And it spread through the nation. And here was the song. I don't know the tune, but the song was, King Saul has killed a thousand, but David... He's killed tens of thousands. And I was like, ooh, that's catchy. I'm going to sing that at my town. And somehow it spread through the whole nation. And everywhere David went, people were like, hey, have you heard that one about David? No. Oh, he's killed tens of thousands. How many had he killed? One. Kind of crazy, right? God, when you step up in opportunity, becomes a force multiplier that the little thing you do, it actually is multiplied in effectiveness. So he went on to win more battles, but it was that defining moment that, that people knew him by. Not the moment of anointing. His friends and family knew that. It was the moment of, of giant slaying that all of a sudden he's on, the, he's on the news. And Saul hated him for it. Saul was jealous of him for it. In fact, the Bible says this, that, that Saul, who was the king at that time, he, he tried to politically maneuver to get David under his control. He's like, David, uh, have, you ever, have you met my daughter? She's really great girl. You should marry her. Why was he playing matchmaker? Because he was trying to bring the kingdoms together. He's like, I've heard that this guy, he's got a lot of political power. If I could bring him under my, then I, can, I get to draft off his success. And David's like, me? No, king. I'm a shepherd. I don't deserve to be your son-in-law. No way. No, how, no way. I'm just... I'm just developing. I'm just in a process of development. So then Saul's next method was, I'll murder you. In fact, it says on more than one occasion, in a moment of anger, Saul picked up a spear and threw a spear at David. I don't know about you, after the first spear, I'm leaving. I have a one spear policy. If you throw a spear at me once, like fool me once, shame on however the thing goes. Guys, I woke up in Chilliwack, okay? I'm not that sharp today. However, I have stayed in relationships that had some toxicity to them. Proverbial spears. I have stayed in situations that continue to be opposing or continue to be dangerous. David, he, he lives in this tension where he's hated. What's he hated for? Just being obedient. What's the opposition in his life because of? Just being obedient. Just developing. Some of us, we take signs and we look for signs everywhere. Life's getting a little hard. I must be doing something wrong. Or, or maybe you're just doing it right. But things aren't going easy. I don't have nearly as much money as I thought I'd have by the time I was 25. My, my, my family is not nearly in the place I thought it would be by the time I'm 40. My business is not thriving the way I thought it would thrive when we were sitting that one night and dreamt about this thing. Like, maybe I'm doing it wrong. Possibly. Only your heart will tell. But maybe you're doing it right. So David illustrates to us a third point. That a heart that looks like God's is developed during opposition. During opposition. While Saul is opposing him, David just determines, I'm going to keep my heart right. So much so that there's a time where Saul is pursuing him, 
trying to kill him. There's a bounty on his head. Everyone in the nation is like, if you see David, you need to rat him out because I'm going to come and kill him. And he finds himself in a cave and Saul is in that cave sleeping. And David's friend's like, dude, you can kill him right now. End it. And he goes, are you serious? And let that affect my heart? No shot. No way. And, and so he, he says, he, 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 he actually takes something of the king's and the next morning, the king wakes up and goes, where are my keys? And David's like, hey, looking for these, king? He goes, look, I could have killed you. I, I, I never will. You can hate me. I don't hate you. Ooh, that's tough. It's tough when you're under opposition. That's tough when you're hated. Here's what tends to happen to us. We get a hard heart. Not David. David developed a thick skin and maintained a soft heart. We can do the opposite. <laughs> hard heart, thin skin. Everything offends us, but nothing can move us to compassion. Here's David. He just lets his heart continue to be developed during opposition. Some of us run from every hard thing in our life because we like comfort more than we like God's call. We just like the feeling of comfort more than we like the awkwardness of relational tension or the, the hard work of development. And we try to race the process. Imagine if like, I just want to see that picture so bad. And we pull the film out now and go, huh, nothing. Why? Because we didn't let it develop. A heart after God develops during opposition. Lastly, let me give you a fourth thought. A heart that looks like God's is developed with ownership. With ownership. In, in 1 Samuel 22, if you could turn there with me, 1 Samuel 22. Okay, we've seen David's journey, anointed in front of his brothers and then sent out to the field. Showing up at the front lines to deliver some cheese, becoming a warrior. Just trying to do his best serving the king, becoming a pop star and America's most wanted at the same time. It's been, it's been like an up and down journey. And now the opposition has grown so significant that he just has to leave. This is crazy. He has to leave the, the area that he's supposed to be king of. He knows that God has promised him to be king, but he has to leave that area. He's no longer even in the country that he would become king of. I would imagine he was questioning, is it really going to even happen? Was I crazy? You ever question that? Like, I thought my life was going to go good. I guess I'm just crazy. I guess my life's just going to go bad. It was me. David has to leave the region he is. 1 Samuel 22, it says this. Verse 1, it says, David left Gath. He escaped to a cave in Adullam. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him, and he became their commander. There was about 400 men who were with him. Okay, a cave does not feel like a castle. You might be in a season you're in right now, like this does not look like what my dream looked like. I thought God wanted to use me for something that matters. I don't think this is it. David, he finds himself in a cave, and, and, and who comes? Who comes to, to be with him? His brothers, his cousins, and then a bunch of people who are just, down on their luck. They're disgruntled and in debt and disconnected, discontented. So a group of people shows up in the cave with him. But there's this incredible thing that happens. David takes ownership. He goes, well, I might not be in the place I'm going to be king. 
And this doesn't look what, king, what kingship looks like, but someone needs to be the leader, and he becomes their leader. He takes ownership of exactly where his life journey is at. It's not a nation, it's 400 people. It's not a castle, it's a cave. But where I am right now, I'm just going to take ownership of this. I've had people come to me before like, hey man, I'm new to the church. Hi, great to meet you. Yeah, hey, if you need any help ever on the microphone, just let me know. I'm really good at that. All right, cool, I don't know you besides your first name. Yeah, but I'm really good. Like, I'm really good. Awesome, do you mind coming early and just like helping, like greet some people? Uh, Not so much a greeter person, but the microphone. I can do microphone. Man, now cleaning up, setting up chairs, not my thing, but you should hear me sing. We go, yeah, yeah, like once it looks like I think it should look like, if you just make me the CEO, let me tell you, I'm gonna become such a great leader. But, but can you serve? You've heard it said before that if serving is too small for you, leading's too big for you. So David just takes ownership where he's at. He's like, well, this is not what being a king looked like. <sighs> Sheep and then spears being thrown at me and now a bunch of losers. But someone's got to be their leader. Guys, we're going to do this thing together. No, it's crazy. Is, is, is David went on to be anointed two more times. So there was that moment with his brothers and then there's a moment with this group of guys. They're like, we still think you're the king. That's his brothers and his cousins. The people who knew that story, they're like, that story's still true of you. I want to tell you, if you're here in church today, the thing that God promised you is still true of you. You're like, Pastor Justin, I'm in a cave. It's still true of you. This is another moment of exposure to God's grace. It's still true of you. And then a third time, eventually later, when finally he was in the castle, all of a sudden, everyone recognized what was always true about David. Why? Because he let his heart be developed. He took ownership in a bad situation. Some people in the room, you are, you're going, not me, not it, because your present situation doesn't look like your dreamscape. I want to encourage you, lean in, own where you're at right now. Own, like, like own your level of income right now instead of going, once I'm rich... Own your, own your singleness right now instead of going, well, once I have the family, like, God, you got to do your, just own where you're at right now, commit to serving right now, and trust that God's going to do in you what he promised he would do. I hope you don't come to church and feel like, okay, here's how we're going to tweak our externals, we're going to get the look just right. Instead, let's just get our heart right. You know what's cool? When David was anointed that third time, he became king of the whole nation. You know who all his officials were? All his closest friends? The guys in the cave. All of them. You look at the, the list of, they're listed, they had a great name, a great code name for their gang, David's Mighty Men. And they all were just the guys who showed up in the cave. They were just like his cousins and his brothers and a bunch of indebted people. They developed together, and in the process, they became great together. It could be that the person who's frustrating in your life right now is going to be your closest, your closest confidant in the future. It could be that the friend group you have right now is going to be your lifelong friends. They're going to be the people that help propel you forward. How do we, how do we know that could be true? Let me show you one more scripture. We're going to close with this today. Is this helpful? It's okay? Second Chronicles, if you could turn there. If it's not okay, just chalk it up. I woke up in, Ch in Chilliwack, guys. I'm a little tired. 
Check this out. 2 Chronicles 16 and 9, it says this, The eyes of the Lord are ranging throughout the earth to strengthen the hearts of those who are fully committed to Him. We're about to have a moment of exposure to the grace of God. What is He looking for in us? Strength? No. Skill? Definitely not. Heart. Heart. In a moment like this, if we could simply say, I make the decision that, that my heart is in this God, he sees that and he goes, that's what I can work with. That's what I can strengthen. Instead, sometimes we're like, God, you know how hard I'm trying. You know all the work I'm doing. You know the, the ways I've, I've been, it's all for you, God. And he's like, yeah, but your heart though. If I could just have your heart, I can do all those other things. In David, he saw there's a heart that I can work with and he will do all the things that I've intended him for, for him to do. The same is true for you and I. Oh, her heart right there, that's a heart I can work with. And she will do all the things I've intended for her to do if she can keep her heart there. His heart, oh, if he can just keep his heart there, he will do all the things that I've intended for him to do. If you could, across the room, bow your head for a moment. We're going to pray. I'm going to ask you a question. Listen to it specifically. You've been in church for a while. This is not the question you think it is, okay? Listen. David was anointed three times. All three were significant. All three were a moment of exposure to the grace of God. So you're in the room right now. For some, this may be your first time acknowledging that you're bringing your heart into commitment to the Lord. For some, it's not your first time. It's second or third. But if you're in the room right now, whether you've been a Christian for 60 years or you're still just trying to figure this thing out, if you can at least come to a place where you say, God, you've got my heart. I don't know how you're going to work this out. I don't know what your dream for me is or what your good plan and purpose is for me. But I do want to be exposed to your grace. And I'm going to ask you, if you would, in just a moment, lift your hand. Now, your eyes are closed, so you don't know this. But, but I'm lifting my hand right now. Because even though I, I've been, been living my very best, trying to do, do the best for the Lord. Today I'm committing my heart again. I just want to make sure my heart is checked and in the right place. You might feel like you're in obscurity. Keep your heart in the right place. Maybe there's some opposition. Keep your heart in the right place. When opportunity comes, keep your heart in the right place. Take ownership of where you're at right now. And you're saying, Lord, you have my heart. Come on, if that's you right now, whether you're first time decision or you've been a lifelong believer in Jesus, if you are committing your heart right now, making sure your heart's in the right place, would you raise your hand with me across the room? Come on, we're daring to believe there could be a moment of exposure to the grace of God right now, like an image that is imprinted on the film of our life right now. A moment of impact. And if we let God, he's gonna develop us. He's gonna bring us to a place where that actually comes to fruition. God, across the room, in your presence, here we are, hands raised, acknowledging we're getting our heart in the right place. We've got tons of issues, lots of weaknesses, lots of flaws. We're really grateful that you don't measure us on our highlight reel. But as you look about the earth, I ask God that you'd acknowledge where our hearts are at right now. Your sons and daughters committing our hearts. With all our strengths, with all our weaknesses, we are yours. You are the Lord of our life. I ask the Lord now, as you look about the earth, would you see our hearts? 
and would you bring strength to our lives that it could be said of us, similar to David, they have a heart after me and they will accomplish all that I've intended for them to. I pray for those right now whose hands are raised but their hearts are discouraged. They feel like, oh, man, it just, it's not happening in the timeline that I'd like it to. Opposition is wearing me out. The obscurity is getting lonely. I ask right now that we would feel a tangible sense of that strengthening presence. As we draw near to you in an act of faith today, I pray that you would draw near to us as well. In Jesus' name, would you develop us over time to have hearts after you. In your name we pray. If you believe it in your heart, would you say amen? Amen. I, I love moments of impact. I love, like sometimes I feel them. I have physical sensation or feeling around moments or emotional sense. But you know what? More than that, I just trust God. If he's promised that he looks around the earth for the hearts of those who are committed, he saw your heart right now and he is bringing strength to your life. And if you can keep your heart right, the, 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 the storyline of your life, you will accomplish all that God intends for you to accomplish. You will experience the success that God's put on your life. You will experience the impact and the influence that God has put on your life. And when you fail to believe that, just come back to that place. I'm going to just keep my heart in the right place. Thick skin, soft heart. Amen? Amen. Let me give you one more announcement, okay, next week uh, in the midst of our whole, whole team retreat. If you'd like to be involved specifically in a creative element on our team, you maybe like videos or pictures or, or, or writing copy or social media or design, then, then we're going to have a short interest meeting in between our services. This will mean, if this is your normal service, you've got to come early, okay? Now, if I'm talking to people who come to a 12 o'clock service and they're creative, coming early is not your strength, okay? You're going to really have to work on this. You're going to have to help one another. But we're going to have a meeting in between the services to uh, help kind of have a moment of exposure. Say, here's what we're trying to do. And maybe you can ask some questions. Maybe you can answer some and we can grow in grace together. I'm praying God's biggest blessing on your life in everything you face today. I'm praying God's blessing on my life as I drive back out to Chilliwack, okay? God is with us. He is for us. We keep our hearts in the right place. He is going to bring us to the image of what he has intended. Amen? Amen. Have the best week. Coffee shop is opening right now. You can spend some time, get to know one another, come back to the Connect area, get a free gift. Oh, and you got to come to Team Retreat. Love you. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.